I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. I'm Emmy. So it's fellowship time. That's the rumor. There's a fellowship, and there's a ring. Some elves are getting up to stuff, and I guess a few hobbits. I, li- I like hobbits. <laughs> I've always felt actually a good kinship with hobbits, because they eat and they drink. And sends him on a quest. Gandalf super doesn't really want Frodo to get out of the house. Suck it, Gandalf. Pipeweed? Pull up an armchair, grab a pipe and a pint from the green dragon. So you want to read Tolkien? Reading The Fellowship of the Ring. Alright, so here we are. We are back in the new year for Chapter 8, Fog on the Barrow Downs. So ominous. Rachel, you put a bunch of stuff here at the beginning? I did. Um, Business! Yeah, I mean, we, we missed it on our break, but... You know, happy birthday to Jert. Right, yes. <laughs> we Cheers to the you professor. For, you know, giving us something to do here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's not the worst thing to have when, something to do. When people started talking about that on Twitter, I was like, that can't be right. We've already talked about that on our podcast. And I then I realized, like literally just today, that we started in January. So we... We did. We've gone all the way around. <laughs> Last year, we talked yep. about it on um, our podcast. It's in yeah. fact at the bottom of my notes, but uh, one week from today is our one-year anniversary. Crazy. Aww. Yep. That's adorable. We did the thing. Well, yeah. we're not done yet, so maybe don't jump the ah, gun there. We'll Look, never be done. Making it a year is like a, a real That's solid a big milestone for me. That's fair. That's fair. It is a big milestone. Yeah, especially since we started in January, we didn't have, like, the we made it to the end of the year thing until now. Yeah, this is true. Right? If we started in, you know, December, it would have been like, hey, we did this for a whole year. No. <laughs> Alrighty. We didn't divide this before we started recording. Which is, you know, that's how Typical. we do things. Yeah. Same old, same old. I mean, I'm doing the long summary, obviously. Please. So it's up to you guys. I can do pony-themed characters, or I can do the short summary. I am not emotionally attached to either. Rachel, you wrote them. I, and, and I'll go for the short summary. Why not? Okay. I'm emotionally attached to nothing and no one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's valid. Well. It's been a rough year already. <laughs> um, did anybody, I mean, this is on the list. I don't know if we talked about it. Did anybody get any Tolkien-themed Christmas presents? No, I didn't. So neither did I. I had Man, nothing we else so to put boring, in this. Guys. Like I had nothing to put in this. Yay! We had the holidays, but that I, I don't. The holidays. Happened. No, I think that would have fine. been an excellent discussion topic if you know if we had anyone knew we liked Tolkien. I got I guess. like a crock pot, and that was exciting. Yeah, crock pots are good. My sis- anyway. Oh, you know what did happen? Uh, my sister and I rewatched the movies over the holidays. And she gave me permission to just spout all my knowledge at her. And I really appreciated oh, yeah. that. Oh, What a good sister. True yeah. love. My siblings would never allow that. Well, that's all I got. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then we will start 
characters for Fog on the Barrow Downs. Um, we have pretty much the exact same cast you are already familiar with, if you can think back that far. We have our four intrepid hobbits, who have their four intrepid ponies. We have Tom Bombadil, who also rides a pony. And then Goldberry appears in this chapter, and she does not appear to have a pony. There's also a disembodied arm that comes walking on the scene. He's not really a character, but he is a bit creepy. But so. he, I can't believe Rachel didn't put him in here, so I'm I'm happy that you added him. I Good. Mean, well, he's vital to the tension of this chapter. I figured we would talk significantly about this hand when we got to it in the long we will. run. But we will. He had some personality, and by personality, I mean he was a creep. Have you named the hand, Emmy? No. Oh, fine. <laughs> Give me time. <laughs> That didn't even occur to me until does, right now. Does the hand have a pony? <laughs> Probably did at some point. Otherwise, <laughs> how did it get there? Um, so, in, in short, in this chapter, the four hobbits leave Tom and Goldberry's home in the forest and skirt the edges of the Barrow Downs to try and meet up with the road. But along the way, a fog creeps in and the hobbits are taken by one of the Barrow Whites, surely to perish except uh, they get conveniently rescued yet again by Tom Bombadil. Also, everything is creepy. Yeah, I think the short summary could have been that. I, I, I did <laughs> think, I, like, two hours before I sat down to write this, I was like, can it just be everything is creepy? Yeah. Do you guys know what a Barrow White is? Um, I forget exactly. Like, I don't know exactly what they are, but I know where they came from. Because, I mean, I know them off of, like, Norse mythology. Oh, okay. Right? Because people were buried in Barrow Mounds, and a Barrow White is, like, an animated corpse slash skeleton, depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't sure if they were the same thing in Lord of the Rings. Because in my head, I'm just thinking, you know, zombies. So from zombies. my understanding, and we can talk, this kind of comes up later, the Witch King of Angmar uh, set the Barrow Whites out either to guard the area or to like take in not guard the area but to basically haunt the area or did he do it before he conquered it and it was part of his battle plan i think it was after he conquered the area and they he just like let them loose there to haunt so they're under the control or were at one point of the witch king um i just shared a link in the hangout that's actually like it's a whole source that it talks about in the Tolkien context, but also includes like the Old Norse like myths that led to it, and then talks about how the actual Barrow White term um first was recorded in eighteen sixty nine in a translation of the Gritis saga. Now we're all gonna look at this for a second. Pause. Yep. Well just because I know the term white from German, mm -hmm. but I like have nothing mm -hmm. to ground this knowledge in. And so I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be picturing a ghost or a zombie or like an animated skeleton or what level of creepiness we were going for. I mean, I, I kind of in some ways picture them like a cross between the Black Riders and like Dementors, kind of like ghostly, formless, but highly emaciated. And... Well, they, they're not formless, though, because... Frodo hand, cuts but... at the arm. You know, we can. Okay, let's let's just right. let's go through the rest of the chapter, and then we can debate the whites. So, we start the chapter with a familiar scene. The hobbits are asleep in Tom Bombadil's house. 
and Frodo is dreaming again. Uh, but this time it's a much pleasanter dream than his previous ones. And I'm just going to read a bit of his dream here. Frodo heard a sweet singing running in his mind, a song that seemed to come like a pale light behind a grey rain curtain, and growing stronger to turn the veil all to glass and silver, until at last it was rolled back and a far green country opened before him under a swift sunrise. Uh, he then wakes up and blah 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 blah. But I just wanted to bring that up because that is also, well... Some folks might recognize parts of that line from the movie, but other than that, we next hear basically those exact lines as the very last thing we ever hear about Frodo in Return of the King. Mm. And I thought that that was interesting that it comes up here as a dream. And it is, I mean, spoilers, spoilers, whatever. It is a vision of his arrival at Valinor. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that this comes up here in the house of Tom Bombadil because our favorite overlord, our favorite evil overlord, who is showing Frodo potentially, whatever, one interpretation, his like future, encouraging him on this quest so that he will finish his doings and get rid of all these powerful beings and go off to Valinor with them. I love evil Tom Bombadil. the other uh, like interpretation of this is that something else is showing frodo this because i presume like there's never any talk about frodo himself having visions of the future like of that being like a hobbit power so somebody must be showing frodo these things right yes the the hand of the author (laughs) well you know Fine. Don't 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 play with me um, here. That's fine. No, I it is interesting. I have I don't know. I I have no That's it. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I guess. just I have no read, exciting theories. I have no exciting theories either. I just read the foreshadowing and I'm like, "Really, Tolkien, we'll get there when we get there." I like it, but yeah. I'm I'm curious to see now that we're kind of paying attention to Frodo's dreams. Um where they go from here because we've kind of we've had three different ones that in the past few chapters that are kind of all sort of pointing to mm-hmm. the same way and how many other dreams we see from him and where where do they occur because right now they're barely even out of the shire and he's had all of these yeah i just i guess i never realized before that this is happening to frodo or from frodo by Frodo, whatever so I just think it's an odd choice for Tolkien to make that Frodo keeps having these visions. Mm-hmm. But so yes, it is interesting, as we said. But maybe moving on. Frodo is one of the Valar <laughs> reincarnate. <laughs> the real stuck in this mortal body. <laughs> the real next overlord. Sorry, that just like turned into a Jesus metaphor. <laughs> well, I think. Oh, shoot. I don't even remember where I briefly talked about how Frodo would be the Jesus metaphor. Was that with you guys? I don't remember. I don't know. But, right, sent sent back to Middle-earth to atone for their sins. <laughs> Anyways, so the hobbits awake and they eat a good <laughs> this breakfast. This is why I'm not talking. <laughs> I warned you. They eat a good breakfast and say farewell to Tom. They ride off on their ponies, and then Frodo realizes they did not say goodbye to Goldberry and has a panic attack. 
<laughs> like he turns to go back to say goodbye, but then just then he hears her voice from up a hill and they go and say goodbye to her and as she offers them some advice on their way and she says a particular farewell to Frodo, who is speechless. That's all. I I never really think of Frodo as somebody who is particularly entranced, I suppose, by people he is potentially attracted to. So I found that very strange. Yeah. Goldberg is just an interesting one because we don't really get much of anything about her. She literally says hi and bye <laughs> and looks pretty. She warns them to, you know, like, relax through the night. She that's true. kind of tells them things about Tom that makes him even more confusing. I just thought it was really funny when the hobbits walk away from her, right? She literally waits until they turn back, and then, I mean, it says she calls and waves and then disappears over the top of the hill, and it's literally just like, peace, and then vanishes. Like, what? What's going on with this character? Why is she here? You know what it is? Is that most of her life, she only has Tom. So now she's like, these other people are here. I can be dramatic as fuck. Yes. I mean, that is yes. truly inspirational. <laughs> yeah. I can show them how awesome I am. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think that's like there's, that's a goal. That's how you live. There's no other reason to like, well, I'll wait for them on top of a hill. And then as they're walking away from me, I'll call to them so that they look back so that I can disappear with my long hair billowing behind me. Like, she must have planned that all out, right? Well, yeah, and then when Frodo attempted to turn back to her own house, it would have ruined her whole plan of standing yeah. on top of this hill in the distance. So anyways, they, <laughs> they make their way along uh, the Barrow Downs on the side that they're supposed to, the west side, I think, um, heading for the road. And they make good time, and they ride all morning, and it's all going very, very well. And everybody is very optimistic. And after riding for quite some time, they stop to have lunch uh, on a grassy knoll beside a standing stone, which, spoilers, is a barrow down, which they should not have stopped at. It's nope. Not a grassy Bad knoll. Choices. Bad choices were made. And they eat, and they're tired from their morning, and so a little while later, as the book says, they woke suddenly and uncomfortably from a nap they had never meant to take. And that, Creepy. that line just resonated with me because this happens to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have quite literally just woken up on my couch with my video game controller in my hand, having no idea what is going on or what dialogue choices I have chosen or what is <laughs> happening. Wait, why is everyone dead? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I just... It's it's described that right. It's sunny, and they lean against the stone, and like, and it was chilled. I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? I believe they're on the east side of the stone, also. Yeah, it's like they're on the sun side of it. Yeah, and they're like, hmm, this is weird that this thing is cold, but eh, it feels nice. Like, <laughs> oh, I've hobbits! Been, I've been to these places. <laughs> they're they're absolutely beautiful. You don't want to take a nap there. Oh my god. Yeah. What are they doing? It's how you end up the subject of a fairy story. Yeah. They don't have fairy stories. Well, they, they're in one. But anyways, they wake <laughs> up just in time to see how foggy the downs have become. 
uh, right before the sun sets. And now they're in the Veridance in the dark and the fog and they can't really see. But they remember, you know, they could see where they were going during the day and they remember what direction that was. So they set off toward the road through a sea of mist. It is now slow going and they end up having to go single file. And all of this just sounds very familiar to their last chapters when they're in the woods and blah, 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 blah. But whatever, Tolkien. <laughs> uh, so this time Frodo's in the lead and eventually he sees what he thinks is the northern gate of the Downs and he hurries towards it. But as he gets closer, he sees that it is not a gate, but two standing stones and he and his pony pass through them. Uh, like never a good idea before he can you know has a chance to stop and he's suddenly separated from his friends and the darkness and the mist and he starts calling for them and he can hear them in the distance but he can't find them and he's running around and where is everyone and it's all very creepy and eventually Frodo calls out where are you and a deep cold voice that seems to come out of the ground says here I'm Ooh. waiting for you and then a cold hand grabs him by the throat. It's so creepy. I don't yeah. like that at all. I was not a fan. I didn't realize we got a horror chapter in the middle of this. I was listening to this and on... Oh, man. Okay, wait. No, sorry. I was maybe sort of allegedly listening to this on my not quite right legal... You know what I'm saying. Anyways, and the dude editing it did a real good job making this creepy as fuck. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways... Then Frodo awakes. Awakes. Nice try. <laughs> then Frodo wakes up, laying on a cold stone underground. Uh, there's a light coming from somewhere. And the other hobbits are all laid out beside him, dressed in, like, white gowns with crowns on their head, and there's gold and jewels and... <laughs> I just saw your note. Do you want to do that, then? Um, sure. Yeah, I can... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can read it. Just so everybody knows, I was going through my notes and somebody just wrote, I love this paragraph. We should read it. Dash N. It was me. I did it. I, I wrote that. <laughs> um, they were on their backs and their faces looked deathly pale and they were clad in white. About them lay many treasures, of gold maybe, though in that light they looked cold and unlovely. On their heads were circlets, gold chains were about their waist and on their fingers were many rings. Swords lay by their sides, and shields were at their feet, but across their three necks lay one long, naked sword. Ugh. Okay, that is super creepy, especially- It is! Especially the sword thing. But can we just take a step back a moment and think, this white undressed them? And then, yeah, and then, and then clothed then them in jewels. Them? Like, that is the weirdest picture ever in my head. Like, it's not creepy, it's just weird. Like, I'm wondering if it was, like, with magic, or... I guess if it was If he magic. buddled around taking care of them. Because aside from the part where they look dead, they also look fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have really yeah. been trussed up. Yeah, what was the point of trussing them up and then laying the sword across their necks? It's across the necks of Sam, Pippin, and Mary, yeah. not of Frodo's. Yeah. It's a it's a picky white. So I think he got to them first. Yeah, that's true. Maybe Frodo was gonna be put on the other end, like he was coming to Frodo next. Maybe. Yeah, I like that. I mean, 
Tolkien has so much like beautiful prose, but I think this is one of the most really vivid images we've had so far. Because mm-hmm. so much is just like, here's the vast beautifulness of, of Middle Earth, and let's soft, let's talk and talk and talk. But this is just Sunlight. like such a distinct, specific image. Yeah, this was really creepy for me. Yeah, I especially don't like the sword on their necks, like that one long yeah. sword across oh. all of them. Well, I think right, they're they're trussed up with. I mean, the white gowns kind of indicate, you know, death shrouds, um, but with circlets and rings and jewels around them, they're like mighty fallen warrior kings, but, you know, metaphorically decapitated ones with the sword. <laughs> not Soon not to be metaphorically decapitated. Well, I mean, allegedly. I mean, not allegedly. That was my segue for you can continue talking oh, about okay. gotcha. what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried to bring us back on track. So then uh, Frodo hears a scraping sound behind him, and there's a creepy song, and I'm gonna read it. So the song, well, the song apparently becomes an incantation. I don't know how Frodo can tell the difference, like when it actually changes over, but whatever. Cold be hand and heart and bone, and cold be sleep under stone. Never more to wake on stony bed, never till the sun fails and the moon is dead. In the black wind the star shall die, and still on gold here let them lie, till the dark lord lifts his hand over dead sea and withered land. Anyways, so then Frodo sees a hand. No, I think what, I mean, when you hear that, it's like, you know, they're set to sleep there until the dark lord rises, so, you know, are the hobbits claimed as future servants of the dark lord well it could be like you know how again we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves here but you know how when you're stabbed with a marble blade mm-hmm. how it like this could be the normal human version of of the nazgul situation mm-hmm. so i uh, you can cut this out later if we don't want to get into this but this is w- sort of not quite they changed it for the movie what Gollum recites in the two towers right yes so they Mm -hmm. removed whites in their entirety they removed all of this from the movies and then kept the essence the creepiness of this poem he doesn't recite the whole thing though he just says like the first the first four lines but I don't even think he says all of them it is not because okay I actually know this by heart because I am a nerd he's uh Gollum says cold be heart and hand and bone Cold be travelers far from home. They do not see what lies ahead when sun has failed and moon is dead. Right, yes. Does that sound right? Yes. God, nailed it. (laughs) My mother will be so proud. (laughs) But I think that that is more to speak uh, to the, the writers of the movies, whenever they had something like that, where there wasn't necessarily something specific in the book, they always tried to use something that they hadn't used from the book. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. You know, like so they always they tried to keep it stuff. something that Tolkien had kind of written and not something that they themselves made up. Good, because they would have done it wrong. As much well, as and possible. And there was so much good stuff from, you know, the last chapters and this one where yeah. narratively it would be a, a drag on the story to do in the movie. But there are so many good bits and pieces and that fit with kind of the lore of the world to fit in. So yeah, now let's talk about the hand, because fuck that hand. So Frodo sees it creeping towards the hilt of the sword, which is, I guess, just off of Sam's neck. 
And, you know, originally I was kind of, no, you know what? I don't blame him at all. Frodo immediately thinks to himself, I can just put on the ring and get the fuck out. And I think that's a fair thought. Yeah, he's literally like, Gandalf wouldn't blame me. Yeah. <laughs> but he does rally his, his, his courage a moment later. And he takes up one of the swords or knives or whatever sitting around and attacks the the hand that was going for this the hilt of the big long sword and severs the hand from like the arm bit now i'm given to understand that there's no body attached to this arm right that's what we're picturing yes. just like elbow that's down what we're picturing mm-hmm. so i don't know what he thought that would do <laughs> i don't think he was thinking much that's at this fair. point that's fair but it does do something because he severs it, the light goes out, the sword cracks and breaks up to the hilt, and there's like a snarling noise from the darkness, and then he's just, you know, in the pitch black with a broken sword. Who knows if that hand can still move around, and it's right near him. And then very, very thankfully for Frodo, although kind of unfortunately for like the plot, he remembers the rhyme that summons that would summon Tom Bombadil, and he says that, and Tom Bombadil comes and saves them, instead of us having a cool moment where maybe Frodo saves everyone, and it would have been really good. Deus ex machina to the end. Good old Deus Tolkien. Deus ex Bombadil. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's nice that an eagle didn't come and save them. <laughs> right mildly like, mixed and, and it up at least at least tom had been like this might happen so here's this yeah and it, he didn't just show up when frodo yelled or something or yeah. conveniently so tom appears yeah. sings a little song chases off the white and he like creates a hole in the ground from up above to get them out and then he oh frodo helps bring out his friends and then they they all start to wake up, or I guess he sings another song at them or whatever, and they wake up. And then uh, Tom decides to go get the ponies, and he sings a song. Oh, no, wait, I've missed the bit where he tells them to get naked. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Pippin's like, why the heck am I wearing these clothes? Um, or I guess they're all like that, yeah. Why, why won't we get our clothes again? And Tom's like, uh, you you were in some deep shit. Uh, you're lucky that clothes are your only loss, but um, <laughs> clothes are but little loss if you escape from drowning. Uh, be glad, my merry friends, and let the warm sunlight heat now. Uh, he- yeah, warm sunlight heat now, heart and limb. I just completely fucked that up. <laughs> but th- um, anyway, cast off the cast off these cold rags. Run naked on the grass while Tom goes a hunting. <laughs> But okay, just before that though, Mary wakes up and he's like, "Of course, I remember the men of Carndoom came us came on us at night, and we were worsted. Ah, the spear in my heart." And then he's like, "Wait, no, no, what am I saying?" <laughs> and, and he has these memories of this old warrior, and it's I I really I really as much as I understand why this is never in the movie, like. It would slow everything down so much. I love this bit so much of Mary being like, oh, God, the spear. Yeah, I know. It's good. And then, yeah, and then Tom tells him to get naked while he goes hunting. And and, and the hobbits do. They just get naked there in the Barrow Downs. Well, they're not taking the creepy clothes with them. No, I get that. But 
There's no <laughs> running around naked in the Baratops. Oh, yeah. No. I. It's awkward. Like, it's what weird. if Tom didn't find the ponies? Quite literally frolicking naked. They were asked to run through the fields. Weird. I don't, like, and that's weird. He asked them. He, like, told them, just go run around naked for a bit. And, they're, and they all just looked at each other, shrugged, and went, yeah, okay. I think it's supposed to make them, like, wake up and feel more alive than they do. I guess that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That was my like, impression. I have was no problem. Was that they felt more alive when it was done. If everyone's comfortable, like, I have no problem. Get naked if you want. That's fine. <laughs> it just seems weird to me that they're in, like, they're still in the Barrow Downs, and they've got none of their supplies. Like, they don't know what that Tom's going to go get the ponies, so they're just, like, stripping off these things. Like, if Tom hadn't brought the ponies back, were they just going to go on naked? Was Frodo going to have to share some... Was Frodo still in his clothes? Or, or was he also dressed in white? I don't think it says. Anyways, it's just a weird yeah. image in my head. No, yeah, Tom really doesn't say anything. He's just like, you won't find your clothes again. I'm going hunting. Get naked. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, you Tom, weirdo. Tom does, however, sing a song and the ponies reappear and gives them new names in the song. So I guess that's another power of his. Either. I just feel like the most unrealistic part is that it's not that he gives them new names, it's that the hobbits never gave them names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or is it, or any such, or I guess it was any such names, not, not sorry, yeah. I read that as not given any names, but. No, I think, I think they had no. names. Bombadil just decided they had new names. Or, like, he somehow magically knows all creatures' true names, mm -hmm. which is. Possible. Also a whole different thing. Anyways, and then Tom goes grave robbing. Because what else are you gonna do when surrounded by creepy fucking whites? Right? Steal shit. Uh, nobody says anything. This, to me, is the weirdest part. And, like, he just dives in and he's like, here's some gold and some swords. Like, this'll look pretty on Goldberry. It's mine now. <laughs> Literally, what? haunted barrow downs. And, uh... I feel like, at least... Uh, you know, Goldberry's got to be kind of like used to this and whatever. She's a weird mythical creature herself and lives in the forest. But I don't want to take anything from that if I'm the hobbits who just right. laid dead there. Yeah. Not cool. Not cool at all. Like, uh uh. I mean, I, get, like, I can understand where maybe if the practicality would take over and be like, well, we need some swords. We obviously do. But they didn't have those thoughts, you know? Tom was just like, here you go. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's weird. But as he gives them the knives, which work as swords in their size, he also gives them a bit of a history lesson about how the land ended up this way. And we get a mention of the evil king of Karn Doom in the land of Angmar. Um, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then... Do, do, do. Is it Mary? Or no, no, Mary's earlier. And then the hobbits get like um, a vision, I suppose, of the past and an understanding of like this great long years that have stretched out before them, which I think was interesting. But the vision was, uh, let's see here. The hobbits did not understand his words, but as he spoke, they had a vision, as it were, of a great expense of years behind them, like a vast shadowy plain over which there strode shapes of men, tall and grim with bright swords. 
and last came one with a star on his brow. Now, if you guys read A Dude with a Star on His Brow, who do you think that would refer to? A horse. No, I'm sorry. What are we? Uh, um, and last came uh, one with a star on his brow. A- Arendelle. Yeah. So Our star elf. <laughs> yeah, I, that's exactly it. I was like, oh, hey, it's Arendelle. But of course, um, like the Witch King and Angmar and all that, that didn't take, that took place years later. So I was sort of looking up what this could be or what was going on. And I guess the, so the Barrowdowns existed before the big battle and some uh, people from the War of Wrath are buried there. So yeah, could be Arendelle, which I didn't, I didn't realize because we are in the Eriador region there, which was right on the borders of the land that sank. Mm-hmm. And this is also apparently where people, not people, where the Numenorians landed when they came back from Numenor. I almost forgot, even though I literally just said Numenorians. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and, and they talk about what it's like, stirred shapes of men, and at the you know last was Arendelle. So you figure, like, gone back to the beginning kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There was also some talk about... Um, hold on, let me just read this quote again, except that now I've lost it. Okay, so there's some interpretation of it, of them just sort of seeing the the line of ancient kings. Like, that's all the men that they're seeing, and then they see, like, the last one, and that the star in his brow thing is a metaphor, um, and that that is supposed to be Aragorn, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does. But I would never have gotten there. No, I wouldn't have either. And I like, because this is sort of a, like, because some people buried here were in the War of Wrath, even though uh, Mary just had a vision of a completely different battle, that was where my mind went also. Huh. Yeah. I, I only came up with Aragorn because I was like, I don't know who else. <laughs> and there's, whereas there's this dude who we're totally not about to meet. <laughs> Well, and then they they do well just just after this, when Tom is talking about it, he does also refer to well, um, to the Dunedain in general when he says, "Yet still some go wandering, sons of forgotten kings walking in loneliness," and I like that Who bit could too. It be? I guess that's just before that. Okay, actually, you know what? This sorry, I was remembering this backwards. But putting it in this way does put more credence into them seeing seeing Aragorn. Because he says, Few now remember them, Tom murmured, yet still some go wandering. Sons of forgotten kings walking in loneliness, guarding from evil things fo- uh, guarding from evil things folk that are heedless. Aragorn. And then the hobbits have their vision. So, yes. That's true. Who else could it be? The star on his brow being more metaphorical than the literal Arendelle. Okay, I'm here for it. But it's definitely gotta be. Like, with that such explicit wording, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be him, but that's gotta be part of what you're supposed to imagine. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There's, there's, I was trying to think if there was, like, a specific star on the the crown of Gondor, but there's just the the symbol with the tree and the seven Mm -hmm. stars or whatever it is. I thought it was seven. Now I'm doubting myself. I also thought it was seven, but like I don't, I have no idea where I'm getting this number from. It just popped into my head. 
So probably Aragorn, but with big Arendelle imagery. I guess Arendelle is a relative of his, though quite distantly. <laughs> that's pretty much the end of the chapter. After that, Tom accompanies the hobbits to the road. Uh, they chat a bit while they walk, and then he uh, advises them to make for Bree and to head for the prancing pony and gives the the guy who runs the pony a good review. <laughs> Tom Bombadil's <laughs> Yelp. <laughs> And then the hobbits <laughs> continue on their way. I'm sorry, I just started thinking of that Yelp review that's like, three out of five stars, I got stabbed there. <laughs> <laughs> well, who who can't say that about the Prancing Pony? <laughs> uh, I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I hate this so much when Tom's like, yeah, okay, you're so bad about getting lost. I'm going to ride with you the rest of the way. Like, why didn't you just walk them out in the first what place, is, you yeah. idiot? Like, come on. Well, then They've we... already gotten lost in your forest. Like, did you really just want to follow along and save the day all heroically again? Yeah, probably. He's a creep. I don't understand. Like, why Why the deus ex machina shit? Why every single time do they need to be rescued by someone? I feel like in this particular case... Tolkien could have written something, like, slightly different, and Frodo could have gotten them out of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it wouldn't... I'm sure some purists out there will tell me how that would change the lore of something or whatever, but it would have been a much better story. We should be developing as characters. Instead, we just keep getting saved. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's at this point, you know, Frodo's already elf friend, and, you know, Tom's had the power of song or whatever and so yeah he could have easily smacked that that hand off and woken them with a song of his own and busted out of there yeah i could even see and then it would make sense for them all to claim swords too like these things that were lying next to them they're like oh why not run 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 i could i could even see like frodo saying the the tom bombadil rhyme and having that like give him some courage to bust them out of there and then once they're out maybe tom arrives and does his grave robbing? I mean, that's just weird. We could have passed on that. Yeah. No, you're right. They set it up for them to save themselves and then didn't do it. So I think maybe Jert just missed Tom Bombadil and needed to confuse us more. It's just so odd. I can't help you. I know. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it just is. I just wanted weird. to bring up that it bothers me. But um, anything else? I just wanted to, as I was thinking about this chapter, actually before reading it, I was like thinking about how these are the ones that aren't in the movies. And from the movies, you sort of get the impression like, okay, there are black riders chasing them, but they're pretty much just like leave the Shire and there's just more land ahead. And it's it's fine, whatever, they're walking it. (laughs) Um, And reading these, you really reminded that the Shire is pretty much like an isolated little haven with this creepy stuff around it. And that's why no There's one like ever one leaves. There's one road out, and it at least makes a little bit more sense to me being like, yes, this is my safe place. <laughs> no, I've never gone beyond the Shire. Suddenly, Samwise makes way more sense. Um, and also just the fact that the, the fact that almost no one knows about hobbits makes more sense, because why would they wander off? Otherwise, you'd think at least, you know, a few more than just Bilbo and Frodo would 
leave and stuff, but yeah, there's some some crazy stuff out there on the east parts of the Shire. Yeah. How many hobbits did try to leave? <laughs> I mean, I do think Tom Bombadil ate them. <laughs> I do think the Dunedain also protect the Shire. Eh, maybe. Yeah. It's less interesting than Tom Bombadil ate them. <laughs> no, but just, yeah, the impression of the Shire as a place is a little different when you think of creepy forest and creepy barrows. Uh, something else that this chapter reminded me of that I missed in the movies was just plain old foreshadowing. Like, it's mm -hmm. nice to get these lines about Aragorn and about wandering sons of kings and also this line about the king of Angmar. Mm -hmm. Um because I remember before the Return of the King came out, I was really wondering how they were gonna how they were gonna do that because they hadn't brought up anything about him or that no man could kill him or anything, and I really had wanted that moment to be big. And they just sort of, you know, they had somebody mention it, but it doesn't really come up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I like that we're getting mentions of him already and. Really like building these up, these enemies and heroes and stuff. So, yep. I just want to mention, I like that. Em, you had a note here about the Withywindle? Yeah. Okay. Just that we need to draw the line somewhere when it comes to naming things. Because I that pulled me out of the story so hard. There is a river that they see when they're standing on top of a hill before they get taken by the Barrow Whites and all of these creepy things happened. Um, they're looking and they see a dark line that is the Withywindle, which is a tributary of the Brandywine. Mm -hmm. And at some point, these names go too far. We we have seen the Withywindle before. It was in the last chapter. I know. But what but about... But it doesn't pull me out of it the same way this time. Why does it pull Be you out? What about this name makes you so angry? It doesn't make me angry. I just like... It just seems ridiculous with the tone of this whole chapter. Oh, like, I see. It fits in well with Tom Bombadil and his idiocy, right? Like, he just kind of comes out of nowhere and his name is Tom Bombadil. That's already fairly stupid. But um, <laughs> then they're, they're standing on top of this hill looking out at the expanse and glory of whatever Middle Earth is that's going on here. And they're um, about to begin this quest of the Barrow Downs which will quite literally end with them almost getting their heads cut off. And they pause a moment to look at the Withywindle. And you're like, what is going on here? And then they meet Goldberry. <laughs> like, we, this is just like the very beginning of this chapter is full of incredibly weird names. Yes. That is, that is Tolkien for you. I'm. It's totally dissonant. All right. At least there's only one name for it. <laughs> That's true, I guess. I think that wraps up our discussion on chapter eight. If you have anything you'd like to add, you can tweet us at to read Tolkien or send us an email at want to read Tolkien at gmail.com. If you want, if you felt like, Hey, it's a new year, I should take a day and rate and review all my favorite podcasts. And you wanted to include us in that. You should. That would make an excellent new year's resolution. Yeah, I should probably make that resolution, too. <laughs> All right. Um, next week, we are reading Chapter 9, At the Sign of the Prancing Pony. And I believe that is everything. Yay! Woo! I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. And we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!
Alrighty. Whoa. Sorry, I just almost like Stop. covered myself in tea. But it was, it was a close thing. In case you can't tell, we're all a little rusty from the holidays. Well, I was going to cut that out, Rach. Well, we can cut that out, too. <laughs> okay. And we can just go, we're all a little rusty from we the holidays. We still sound rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be other things.